All right. Thank you, worship team. Ah, I got to breathe. <laughs> it is always uh, very exciting to know that I'm going to preach. I, I truly enjoy it. Uh, it's one of these things where today, the messages from Jude, as we had heard, and my thoughts initially were coming to the last verses of Jude because of the fact that he applies it, all the things that he's talking about. He's telling us what we should do with the information that we have. And that is very important to me, that, that whenever we hear God's word, do we just absorb it and not do anything with it? Keep it for ourselves, or do we actually go out and share it and use it and live in it and trust in it? And so, to be honest with you, the weeks prior to this were excitement, and then I found Jude, and I'm like, yeah, that's a good one, so I'm all hyped up. And then I release it to the Lord and say, God, what are you going to say? What, are, what should be spoken here? And then there's just a... a stall in, in the days. It's like, oh, maybe this, maybe that, maybe this. And upon reading it and looking at it and seeing the things there, I finally surrender and go, God, I don't have it. I don't know what you're going for. And then it turns into, you're right, you don't have it. It's me and I've got it and I've got you. And so, as we start, I'm just going to pray, um, and then we'll get into the book. Dear Father in Heaven, I thank you so much for this opportunity, Lord. Your Word, every one of them, Lord, is perfect and wonderful, and I thank you for them. Lord, my words are confusing, uh, missed. Lord, even now, I just stumble and my tongue is tied, because your Word is perfect. I am just a man. So, Lord, at this time, may the words that I speak be yours, Lord. May your spirit within me be solid and strong and, and come out clearly. Lord, I devote this time to you, not to anything that I do, but all that you've done. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So, as Chris said, we're in the book of Jude. And actually, in your blue Bibles, it's actually on the same page as Revelation starts. <laughs> so, But it is the book prior to there. Uh, it was funny because uh, Chris said, oh, in chapter one, well, there is one chapter. So you're all really happy going, man, if he picked part of one chapter, he can't be long. But you know me, so that probably won't be correct. So anyway, <laughs> just, a, just a quick overview of Jude. Um, Jude, well, I'll start with the, the greeting that's in chapter or verse one. Jude, a servant of Jesus Christ and brother of James, to those who are called, beloved in God the Father, and kept for Jesus Christ, may mercy, peace, and love be multiplied to you. He introduces himself first as a servant of Christ. Then he says, I'm also the brother of James. James happens to be the brother of Jesus. So I'm pretty sure in my genealogy... <clears throat> If James is a brother of Jesus and Jude is a brother of James, then Jude is also a brother of Jesus. He doesn't lead with that. He doesn't take that as any authority given to him. He doesn't say, look at me, that's my brother, I'm part of it. He comes in and he says, he is the Lord and I am his servant. 
And then he says, and I'm also the brother of James. It's pretty interesting because I guess I, I could say if, if Jesus were standing here and he was my brother right here, guess who I'd be going, hey guys, look at this, selfies, you know, and I would really be pushing the fact that I am the brother of Jesus. But I am loved by Jesus. I am a son of God. I am a brother of Jesus. And you guys, it's not me. It's all of us. God loves us as sons and daughters. Jesus, and as you go into the Trinity, and, and please don't take this as blasphemy or anything, saying that, yes, we're brothers. God is God. God is above all things. Jesus is God. The Holy Spirit is God. There is no separation in that. We are servants of them. But he calls us sons and daughters. He calls us friends. That is an amazing thing to relate to. So, Jesus, I'm sorry, Jude addresses his audience. Beloved in God the Father. He's addressing, addressing Christians, those who love and are loved by God. Kept for Jesus Christ. Kept for Christ. God will hold them. God will protect them. As we heard in the sermon last week or the week before, there's nothing that will take you away from God's love. Those whom God loves, he protects. Jude wrote this letter around, if we're guessing and we're putting dates on things, I'd have to say around 65 AD. Okay, that's an approximation, you guys. And there could be an argument that it was written for the people of that time. Of course, when you write a physical letter and you hand it to someone, you think that letter goes to them. I think if we thought that way, that would be a great loss. Because he addresses those who are called beloved in God the Father. Guys, this letter is not time sensitive. It wasn't post dated and said this is only good for this. Jude is saying to you, here and now, because you have his letter in your hand, Jude is saying, this is to you. It is a loss if you think this is a history book that that happened long ago and it doesn't apply to you. Jude says nothing about that. He says, those beloved by God, you are beloved by God. I hope that sinks in as deep as it did to me. It's like, man, this is awesome. And it turns this whole book into reality as opposed to a story. The Bible should be a reality because it is. Jude goes on in his letter and he says, hey, the reason I wrote this letter is because I would love to talk about our common salvation. The salvation that I have and the salvation that you have and let's just get together and talk about it, man, because it is wonderful. We are saved and Christ did that. Our sins are forgiven. Let's talk about it. But he goes on, he says, but instead he felt led to warn us of listening to false teachers that have crept in and are telling lies and turning people away from God. They're causing division among them. And so although his joy is in sharing salvation, and, and guys, if you talk to me and go, hey, how are you saved? You might as well camp out at my place. 
Because I'm going to go on forever. It's fun to talk about your salvation and what God has done for you and what it means. But Jude takes him this time and he says, guys, i got to tell you about all the wrong things that are going on. He gives a lot of examples that were through the Old Testament in the Bible. He tells of those who have led the people away. And then he tells about the consequences of what happened to those people. It's not good. <clears throat> and you know what? It's happening today. So again, if we looked at this as a history book, woo, good it's not us. But guys, it is us. There are false teachers. There are divisions going on. There's people that don't want us to be together in unity with Christ. And you know, some of that occurs because of the fact that they're not out to get us. They're not going, I want to destroy that person. What they're doing is they're living in sin going, I know this is bad, but if I get a few people around me, kind of dilute it out, it doesn't look as bad. Would you come along with me and just, just show me that this really isn't that bad and you and I will walk together? You know, if there's a bunch of us doing the same thing, who could call it sin? And that's the way the world is going. Today's sermon is not to see all the bad. You guys have TVs, you've got internet, you've got all that stuff. I want to glorify God. I want to glorify the good that He shows us. And Jude, in the last few verses of this chapter, comes up to that. Let's start by reading the verses. I'm going to read 17 through 23. Please follow along with me because this, again, is your letter. But you must remember, beloved, the predictions of the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ. They said to you in the last time there will be scoffers following their own ungodly passions. It is these who cause divisions, worldly people devoid of the Spirit. But you, beloved, building yourself up in the most holy faith and praying in the Holy Spirit, keep yourselves in the love of God, waiting for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ that leads to eternal life. And have mercy on those who doubt. Save others by snatching them out of the fire. To others, show mercy with fear, hating even the garments stained by flesh. He starts out and he asks you to remember. He calls you beloved. The reason he's writing this is because physically, as a man, Jude cares. He cared about those he was writing to. And I'll be honest with you, I doubt that he was writing to everybody he knew. He was writing to those that are loved by God. He is writing that, maybe or maybe not, knowing that we will be reading that here today. Jude is writing this letter to you. And it's more than Jude because it's an inspiration from God. It is God's Word. You have it in your hand and it is written to you. He goes through and he recalls 2 Peter 3.3. 3. I'm going to turn there pretty quick. If I can get my pages right. Sorry for the delay. 2 Peter 3.3. 3. Knowing this first of all, that scoffers will come in the last days with scoffing, following their own sinful desires. This summer, we had heard this. 
And if you didn't hear it this summer through Eric's sermons, you hear it right now. It is not a surprise. Jude is saying, hey guys, the world's bad. There's false teachers. But guess what? You've heard this warning. You've been told that this is what's going to happen. There's going to be false teachers. And that's when the light bulb should be going on in your head right now. Going, Ooh, false teachers. Things that are going bad and the world's really tough. Whoa, today. There's false teachers. There's a ton of bad stuff going on and the world is very tough. Jude is also saying, hey guys, don't panic. God's not surprised. We may have forgotten that He told us thousands of years ago. There's no surprise to God. He's not shocked. He knows this is the direction that's coming and He's told us this is what's going to happen. We've been told who is doing this. Those devoid of the Spirit. Non-believers. There's as many reasons for the non-believers trying to separate us as there are the arguments they're throwing at us. Again, it's not for evil contention most of the time. It's for them to feel better. Why should you waste your Sunday in church? I'm watching football. I'm getting ready for a fun day. Join me. Hey, we've got picnics in the sunshine and let's go out. You don't have to be at church. Are you saved? Then you're good. You don't have to do anything. You got that ticket in your pocket. They're sharing false lies, or <laughs> true lies, false truths. We've been told what and how they do it. They're following their own ungodly passions. Wouldn't it be great if our own passions were godly? Guys, I, I can't stand here and say anything from God is really bad for me. I can stand here and say a lot of the things that I've done in the world have caused me harm. But I don't look and go, oh, guess what, today I rejoiced in the Lord and I said a prayer and He actually was with me and He took care of me and, and He takes care of my household and He loves me. You guys won't believe how bad that is. All the things that God does for you are good. Seth had said in his sermon, the things, I'm sorry, I'll tear this up to shreds, but basically all things work out ultimately for the good of those who believe in God. And it's true, you guys. The divisions are what they're trying to do. Cause divisions, pull you away. Are they trying to separate you from your friends? No. They're trying to separate you from the belief of what you have in God. They're trying to pull you away because they may not believe in God. And it seems kind of odd that if you do, that you might have something they don't. So instead of coming to our side and joining and having that gift of salvation through Jesus Christ, they're asking us to give it up and join them. To surrender. Guys, God has never surrendered anything. God has never given up. God loves you and He is with you. I wanted to share Romans 8, 38 through 39. And this is just, again, a review of what we've heard in the last couple of weeks. 
For I am sure that neither death nor life, nor angels nor rulers, nor things present nor things to come, nor powers nor height nor depth nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. The actions that are being taken from the false teachers don't have power over us. They don't have power going, oh my gosh, I heard that and I have to go. There's no power in those lies, you guys. I heard that. It doesn't seem straight to me with the Bible. Let me go check. Oh, it appears to be a lie. There's no source that's going to pull you away and go, you heard it, so now you've got to believe it. Guys, just get rid of those lies. Just leave them lay. So, he goes on, and, and you know, I want to share that one thing, we hear that God, nothing, nothing, nothing can pull us away from Him. We have that power. God loves you. There's nothing that anybody's going to throw to you that's going to separate you from God. If you had that faith and you have that understanding, would you change the way you're living? Would you act a little better? Would you be a little stronger? And it shouldn't be if, because you have those things. Just saying. Now, as we get back to Jude, we know there are many things trying to draw us away from God. There's many reasons, there's many attempts. One thing is clear. Sin and the things that are trying to draw us away are not on the same path as God. They are opposite. It's not God, let's go this way. Hey, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do it's, it's okay, right, God? I can bring all this stuff with me. I can drag it all up. These sins that everybody's doing so they can't be so bad? No. You are in opposition to God. You are opposing what God's will is. So we need to repent. Repent is an actual turn of 180 degrees away from the direction you're going. Any sin that you're in, anything at all, is against God. It's opposite of God. Turn from it. Turn 180 degrees. You're not getting close to God. You're away from God. Repent and turn and be in the other direction because the other direction from sin is God. Which way do you want to be facing? I go with God every time. Now, we all know how bad the world is and, and the things that are going on. And to be honest with you, this is one of the best rabbit trails you want to go through. Oh, let's grab that. Let's talk about other people. Let's talk about what the world is doing wrong. Let's highlight all the bad things. And let's forget about the good that God is doing. You guys know what it is. It's, we do it every day. I'm guilty as charged, believe me. Hey, did you hear what so-and-so did? You know, I've got a secret I've got to tell you. Is it a secret or are you going to tell everybody? Okay. Hey, did you see on Facebook? So-and-so did this. Or that picture of them. Oh, how terrible is that? But as Christians, we cover that all up and, and we're good and we go... Yeah, and after we say all the dirt about the person, we go, 
we should pray for them. We are guilty as charged, you guys. There's nobody sitting in here who can say, I'm better than that. And I'll start with myself. Guilty as charged. Do I want to do that? No. Okay, should I do that? Absolutely not. What is my alternative? Well, how about I love them? How about I show them mercy? How about I show them kindness and love upon them? Because they are struggling. They are having problems. They may not even know it, but they're walking a direction other than God. So instead of saying that, let's try to fix these problems and let's look at ourselves. There is sin and there's ungodly people. That's a fact, you guys. There is forgiveness and there is a loving God. And that's more important of a fact. Let's see what Jude says in verses 20 and 23. We know there's bad, there's division and things going on. Jude says, but you, beloved, building yourself up in the most holy faith and praying in the Holy Spirit, keep yourselves in the love of God, waiting for the mercy of Lord Jesus Christ that leads to eternal life. And have mercy on those who doubt. Save others by snatching them out of the fire. To others, show mercy with fear, hating the, even the garments stained by the flesh. He starts out and he says, but you. Again, please don't look at this as somebody else. We love to go, but you. It's but you, but me. You guys, Jude is talking to you, but you. <sighs> Beloved. Yes, I'm pointing you out, Ron, but I love you. I care about you. This is what you should do. He starts out, keep yourselves in the love of God. And he even answers, how do we do that? Building yourself up in the most holy faith. How do we build ourselves up? Well, you're starting out pretty good this morning. You're here at church. You have a Bible in your hand. You've heard prayers, and I hope you've joined in on them. We've sung worship songs. We love one another. That's how we can do it. He also goes on saying, praying in the Holy Spirit. Okay, well, is that technically a position that I have to be in? Is this something special? Is this tongues? Do I have to, do I have to learn that? Do I have to do this? No. Praying in the Holy Spirit in this context is saying a type of prayer that is alongside God's will. It is love. It is concern for others. It is caring. It is realizing the fact that God is our salvation, not us. It's not judgment. It's just coming in compassion with others. We stay in the path leading to God. And why do we do this? Because it says here, we are waiting for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ that leads to eternal life, the mercy of our salvation given to you through, Jesus, through Christ Jesus. You guys, I have to say we've got the win. And as I get older, sometimes the world kind of seems a little tough and it's like, bring it on. I'm ready to go. And I heard that from a person when I was younger. And I thought, sure, that's pretty selfish of you. What about us that want to live? What about us that have a life ahead of us? And you know what? I understand that. 
and the life you have ahead of you, we can lead and live in godly ways and enjoy it so much more abundantly than the struggles we're going through. We are waiting for eternity. We are waiting for the salvation that we see. If you're a believer in Christ, you've already received it. You already have salvation. Your last breath here on earth will be the first one in heaven. So it's a joy. And yet, he's still talking to us, saying, hey guys, there's people out there struggling. You're still here on earth. God has given you another day. What should we do? A very simple recap in this book is sin is abundant and it's against God. God is perfectly good. God loves you and he has saved you. God is victorious over sin eternally. We are to hold fast to that. We are to realize that, remember it, and live it. Persevering. We're supposed to get through. But you know what? I don't know about you guys. Have you been to some places? Maybe church when I've been preaching. Just get me through, Lord. Just get me through. And you persevere. You guys, I've been to different places. I've persevered. But we can thrive. We can have good things. We can live life joyfully and abundantly. We don't have to just drag through, but we have to persevere through what God has told us and who God is. Have mercy on those who doubt. I won't push this on you guys. I'm going to just admit I'm a doubter. Okay? I have doubted in the things that have happened in my life. I have doubted at points in my life the salvation that is given to me because, wow, I don't deserve it. There is nothing good that I saw in my life that says Christ will die for me and allow me to be with God forever. God has shown me great mercy. So those who are there and they're doubting, have mercy on them. Show them love and compassion. Sacrifice things in your life for them. Some people need time. Some people need material things. Some people need just your company. Some people need your prayers. These really aren't sacrifices. But these are things you can do for those who doubt. We can share with things that are there. And, you know, as you doubt, Ron, what do I do? How do I do this? Well, well maybe it's a conversation where you start and go, hey, guys, I know it's crazy, and maybe you knew my life before I knew Jesus, and I don't even know how this all works, but I know that Jesus told me believing in him is my salvation, and I believe it. The Bible tells me that, that God sent his one and only son, and I believe in him, and I believe he died for my sins, and I believe he rose again, and I believe he is seated at the right hand of God, Interceding, interceding for me. I believe that, and I believe that I'm saved. Sometimes you can just say, can I share with you what God has done in my life? Without even going into biblical context that you may not know, you do know what's happened in your life. And you know that if you know Jesus, your life has changed. Can I share that with you? Sure, sit down, let's have a talk. You guys, it's not as hard as you think. 
He also says, save others by snatching them from the fire. That sounds scary. I've actually been in a snatch someone from the fire situation. Scenario. The house kitty corner to this church burned down. We were sitting in our living room and we heard screaming. A young man yelling for help. There wasn't a whole lot of sit down and plan it and let's see what we're going to do. There was get there, get him, and get out. There wasn't thoughts of anything else. I ran across the street. The front door was flaming. No chance of me getting in there, and I still heard screams. I ran around the side. He came out the back door. Luckily, I didn't have to go in. God snatched us both from the fire that day. I didn't have to go in, and God gave him a direction out. Even had I had to go in and get him, and, and if that was possible and feasible and it happened, it wouldn't have been me saving him. It would have been God saving us both. You guys, as bad as that was and the memories that I have, it's nothing compared to the fire that those that don't believe in Jesus Christ as their salvation are heading for. Yes, I didn't know the young man yelling, but somebody needed help, and I surely... Whatever it took, let's do it. But the fires of hell, you guys, are eternal. And I'm sorry to bring it up, but it's a truth. You don't want to be there. You don't want to have anybody else there. And you know the answer on how to stay away from it. So do we keep it a secret? Or do we share with others? And you go, you know what? I'm not very good at sharing that. What if I do it wrong? Ah, what if I say something and it's not correct? Well, guess what? You don't do it anyway. God is the one who saves. God alone is the salvation in someone's life. He allows us to join in. He allows us the ability to share and to do things in His way, in His will, in His plan. God wants people to be saved. He sent His Son. And then he looks at you and says, hey, there's a person over there, and, and Ron, I'm going to let you talk with them. Go on and see what you got. Sometimes I get all flustered and don't know what to say, and I blow it, and I walk away going on. And that person didn't lose his salvation because I failed. It was a teaching moment for me. Hey, do better next time. What do you really believe, Ron? And God will send somebody else for there. God's plan will never fail. You know, it's pretty easy. I mean, I guess I can put it into a format of there's a sinking ship and you're on it. Somebody runs up to you. Hey, the ship's sinking. What do we do? You don't know anything. You don't know where you're at. You don't know the charts. You haven't been in a rescue situation. But you do know there's a lifeboat. And you say, there's a lifeboat. And before you can turn your back, the guy's in the water going, bring it on. I believe you. Trust you. Everything's good. That's all I needed to know. There's a lifeboat. There's other people that you'll say, there's a lifeboat. And they'll go, oh, good. How do we get there? How do we get in? And how will it save us? That takes a little more. But God doesn't bring that to a person that doesn't know there's a lifeboat there. God has already told that person there's a lifeboat there. And we just have to join that line, jump in and get. And so you share the information that you have. 
And there's others that you say, there's a lifeboat, it's right here, I'll show you how to get there. And they go, a lifeboat, how's it going to be set in the water? Are those pulleys strong enough? How about water displacement? Is that large enough for me? And they'll continue to talk. And they'll just have question after question after question. And they probably won't even believe you until you step into that lifeboat and are saved. And then they look and they say, he's saved, I will join him. And you guys, sometimes we'll run into intellectuals that need a little more information than we can give. Sometimes we'll run into people that don't even know Christ at all. What he's saying is there's a fire for those who don't know Jesus. Save them in the way that you know how because God has given you that ability. Share with them. To others, show mercy with fear. You know, there are people that are out there sinning and things are going on and they have no clue what it's going to lead to. They don't know the consequences or don't want to believe them. Hell is just a story made up. Nobody goes to hell. Everybody's saved. The world's all rosy. Everything's good. You know, as they continue in their sins, you want to show them the right way. You want to tell them your story. Guys, I was there. The sins drew me down. They were destroying my physical life much more even the salvation. I was going to be separated from God. You want to share with them. And what you don't want to do is say, hey, I was the same sinner that you are. I did the same things, guys. And pat them on the back and go, come on. Let's work through this together. Pick a sin. Join in. And think that you're reaching them because you're doing the same thing that they're doing. You guys, what he's saying is, love them, hate the sin. Stay away from the sin. Don't go anywhere near that sin. We don't have to love somebody and continue in the bad things that they do. We don't have to love somebody and agree with what they're doing that we know and believe is wrong and go, okay, that's good. Yeah, that's, that's great. You, okay, sure. We don't want to be enablers. And we don't have to sit there and battle them. We don't have to fight them and tell them how wrong they are. Oh my goodness. Let me share these things about how bad you are. What he's saying is, he says, have mercy on them. Show them mercy. Show them love and kindness and caring. You guys, we won't win any battles by hatred. We won't have any battles hating the person that is sinning. All we're told to do is have fear of that sin. We can hate that sin and we can stay away from it. But those that are doing that, guys, remember, they're a creation of God. The sins that they are doing is not. They are a creation of God as you and I are. They are loved by God as you and I are. Share with them, have compassion on them, and have mercy. Now, one of the things that we can do, and without saying do this, do that, do this, da-da-da, here's the ten points to save somebody. It's not there, guys. What we can do is live godly lives. We can tell people when we have sinned that we ask forgiveness. 
I've told you I'm guilty of sins and I've asked forgiveness. It's not wrong to ask for forgiveness because we don't want to walk around like we're the perfect people. We're the right people. We're God's favorites. Guys, we are his favorites and we're loved by him. But so is the person standing next to you. So is the person down the street in another church. So is the person that isn't at church this morning. They are loved by God. God is drawing them. He knows who are his. He knows who he loves. And they will be with him. But he gives us that joy and opportunity to love them as well. And you guys, that's such a cool thing. Walk in the ways of the Lord. Try to do your best each day because you never know who's following you. You never know who's watching you. You never know the example that you set, what effect it'll have on somebody else's life. Just wanted to share that with you. And to conclude, yay! All the papers are gone. I got through most of them. To conclude, I was really reading and reading and reading. I'm like, oh, how do I highlight this? How do I do that? How do I do this? And it's the reality of God's words, perfect. God's word is all we need. If I read the passage today and dropped the mic, I would have been happy. But I hope you learned something or felt something from my sermon today. But let me finish with the last two verses, his doxology. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy to the only God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ, our Lord, be glory, majesty, dominion, and authority before all time and now and forever. Amen. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the blessings that you have given us in all things. Lord, you allow us to share. You allow us to work in your plans. You allow us to be there for others. May we do it better than we've been doing, Lord. May you lead us greatly. May we realize the truth that you are here amongst us, with us, caring for us, and always holding us. We thank you, Lord, for your son, Jesus Christ, who died for our sins. We thank you for your Holy Spirit within us so that we may have discernment in all things we should do. Lord, we thank you for this beautiful day and the gathering that we have. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.